Jesus gives this little analogy here about the Pharisees, kind of, because the Pharisees were probably in their hearts just rejecting everything Jesus was saying about John the Baptist being the aforementioned uh, prophet who prepares the way. Jesus says that the Pharisees or the gen- this generation of men that didn't accept Jesus, because remember, the tax collectors did and the poor people did, but like the rich people, the Pharisees, the lawyers, the leaders, the leaders of the people rejected Jesus. Hey, faithful listener, grab your cup of coffee and experience the Bible in a way you never have before. P40 Ministries is a podcast that goes through the Bible cover to cover. It's an awesome narrative that focuses your mind and prepares your heart for God to speak. So join your host, Jen, for a biblical podcast that's hilarious, informative, imaginative, and fun. The P40 Ministries podcast. Listen now as we go through the book of Luke. Well, hello and good morning, faithful listeners. This is your host, Jen, with the P4E Ministries podcast, and thanks for tuning in as always. And I appreciate everybody. I appreciate everyone that is tuning in and listening in every single day. I love hearing from you guys. So always contact me at p4eministries.com slash contact. And just tell me how your day is going, what the weather is like, where you live, and any other random fun fact about yourself so that I can get to know my listeners, because I do love getting to know you guys. But without further ado, let's talk about Luke chapter 7, verses 11 through 35. So we have a lot to read today and a lot to discuss, so I'm going to just jump right in here. Grab your cup of coffee or your cup of tea, and let's start. Soon afterwards, Jesus went to a city called Nain. Many of his disciples, along with a great multitude, went with him. Now when he came near to the gate of the city, behold, one who was dead was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. Many people of the city were with her. When the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, Don't cry. He came near and touched the coffin, and the bearer stood still. He said, Young man, I tell you, arise. He who was dead sat up and began to speak, and he gave him to his mother. Fear took hold of all, and they glorified God, saying, A great prophet has risen among us, and God has visited his people. This report went out concerning him in the whole of Judea and in all the surrounding region. The disciples of John told him about all these things. John, calling to himself two disciples, sent them to Jesus, saying, Are you the one who is coming, or should we look for another? When the men had come to him, they said, John the baptizer has sent us to you, saying, Are you he who comes, or should we look for another? In that hour, he cured many diseases and plagues and evil spirits, and to many who were blind he gave sight. Jesus answered them, Go and tell John the things which you have seen and heard, that the blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them. Blessed is he who finds no occasion for stumbling in me. When John's messengers had departed, he began to tell the multitudes about John. 
What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? But what did you go out to see? A man clothed in soft clothing? Behold, those who are gorgeously dressed and live delicately are in king's courts. But what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and much more than a prophet. This is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. Malachi 3 verse 1. For I tell you, among those who are born of women, there is not a greater prophet than John the baptizer. Yet he who is least in God's kingdom is greater than he. When all the people and the tax collectors heard this, they declared God to be just, having been baptized with John's baptism. But the Pharisees and the lawyers rejected the counsel of God, not being baptized by him themselves. To then what should I compare the people of this generation? What are they like? They are like children who sit in the marketplace and call to one another, saying, We piped to you and you didn't dance. We mourned and you didn't weep. For John the baptizer came neither eating bread nor drinking wine, and you say, He is a demon. The Son of Man has come eating and drinking, and you say, Behold, a gluttonous man and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Wisdom is justified by all her children. Wow, that was a lot of reading. <laughs> More than I expected. But I wanted to not really break this portion up because it's talking almost completely about John the Baptist. Even the first little bit where Jesus heals that um, that dead boy talks kind of about John the Baptist right after that. And I didn't think that it would be um, a long enough episode if I only talked about um, Jesus healing the one dead boy. But I actually didn't know that story. And that story is found here in Luke chapter 7, verses 11 through 17, where Jesus heals the young boy. And it's crazy. I, I truly don't think I've ever seen this story or heard this story before. And I know I've read through it. I've read through the Bible before. <laughs> I have, but I just missed this one. I don't know. Okay, so verses 11 through 17 talks about Jesus going into a city called Nain, and he had many of his disciples with him, along with a great multitude. So this is talking not just about the 12 disciples, but I mean, Jesus had many, many disciples, actually. And that makes it, Luke makes it so clear that Jesus had tons of disciples, and Jesus picked 12 main ones, which is what we talked about last time. But yeah, Jesus had a lot of disciples. And so this entire multitude and all of Jesus's disciples are just following Jesus into this city called Nain. I can, oh my gosh, I can imagine Jesus was so irritated to be, just be followed around constantly. Oh, but he was so patient about it. But anyway, he goes into Nain and he comes near to the gates of the city is what it says. And behold, one who was dead was carried out and it was the only son of his mother. So this young boy died for whatever reason, Luke does not say. But this young boy died and the mother was a widow. Now, back in these days, widows had no rights whatsoever. And Jesus was really, really big about taking care of widows and the orphans as well. But he always is talking about taking care of widows. So that's exactly what Jesus goes and does. It says he had compassion on this widow. And it said many of the people were there with her. And that was probably the um, paid funeral people. Because the paid funeral people would like go around like like wailing and dancing and like showing their distress, but they didn't actually care about the person. They were literally paid to just like dance a funeral dance 
and like mourn and weep basically so that like all these people would know that there was a funeral happening. So Jesus goes up to this mother who is sobbing, I would guess, and he says to her, don't cry. And he has compassion on her. So it says that he went and touched the coffin and the pallbearers just like stopped. They stopped. Jesus says, young man, I tell you, arise. And he just talks to this kid and the kid listens to Jesus and he's not dead anymore. And he rises up. It says that he who was dead sat up and began to speak. So Jesus just totally heals this young boy that had died. And he like not just heals him, but like rises him from the dead, reverses death. And Jesus that we know of only did this three times. It was with Jairus's daughter, Lazarus, and now this young man. So this was not common, but because of Jesus's complete and utter compassion that he had on this poor widow who had nobody Jesus did this for this widow. And it says that after this, he gives the boy to his mother. And so everyone that was just like standing there watching this, it says that fear took hold of all and they glorified God. So first and foremost, after seeing Jesus do this, the crowds were terrified. And who wouldn't be? Oh my gosh, if I saw somebody come back from the dead, I would poop my pants. Like I would be terrified to see that because that is not normal. Normally death is pretty final, but if we, you saw somebody just come back to life, you would be pretty scared, I would guess. But then after that happens, they all start glorifying God and they say a great prophet has risen among us and God has visited his people. That's what they say. They say God has visited his people. So it says that after this happened, Jesus got even more famous because this entire multitude and all the crowds began to um, tell everybody about Jesus. And I don't know if this is true or not, but this seems kind of like the point where Jesus stops telling people to be quiet about him. Jesus is probably like, oh, people already know who I am anyway. <laughs> and so he had compassion on that, that widow. We don't know her name. We don't know anything except for that she lost her son and that she was a widow. But Jesus basically shows and demonstrates his compassion and his care for widows because widows had like no rights back in Jesus's day. But then after this, it says that because this like whole report went out about Jesus after this, um, this uh, rising from the dead that Jesus does for this boy. It says some disciples of John told him all about these things. So John was in prison. Don't forget that. John the Baptist was in prison. And so he didn't have a lot of freedom. He was stuck there in prison. But clearly he had visiting hours because his disciples could come and go and visit with John. So it says that John listens to everything his disciples are saying. And so he calls two disciples over and he's like, go ask Jesus if he is actually the Messiah or if we should go look for another. And the reason this is kind of funny is because John was so sure of who Jesus was at the beginning, like so sure. He told his disciples, there goes the Lamb of God when he saw Jesus. But now that he's stuck in prison and he's wondering maybe why Jesus is acting slowly, maybe he's not uh you know, overthrowing Rome. Maybe he's not coming to get John out of prison. John is 
having all these doubts swirl around in his head because John was human, the same as anybody. And John was going through a pretty bad trial. I mean, for me, I know when I go through a trial, I start having doubts. I start doubting. And John, he was as human as anybody. So he started doubting if Jesus was the Messiah. But he still had an inkling and still kind of believed it because he wanted his disciples to go and ask Jesus about it. So it says the disciples go to Jesus and they ask Jesus the same question. John wants us to ask you if you're the Messiah or if we should keep looking for someone else. So Jesus doesn't give them an answer right away. Instead, for that entire hour, while um, John's disciples are there, Jesus starts curing many diseases, plagues, and evil spirits, is what Luke says. So then Jesus looks over at uh, John's disciples and he's just like, go and tell John everything you just saw me do. Go and tell John that now the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have had the good news preached to them. And these things were a fulfillment of many of the prophecies in Isaiah and the different prophets that talked about Jesus coming. These were a fulfillment of that. So John the Baptist, as a very good Jewish man that he was and very knowledgeable in the scriptures, would have known that. And plus, his disciples saw Jesus do all this stuff. They saw with their very own eyes Jesus literally fulfilling prophecy right in front of them and basically declaring to be the Messiah. They listen to Jesus and they go back and they tell John the Baptist about this. Verse 23, though, before the disciples leave, Jesus says to them, Blessed is he who finds no occasion for stumbling in me. And that's worded kind of interestingly. But in other versions of the Bible, it'll actually say, Blessed is he who is not offended by me. And I wonder if that was a call to John the Baptist to not be offended by Jesus. I don't know. I don't know. But Jesus adds that in there. But I mean, even if Jesus did say that for John the Baptist, that's definitely something that applies to now. You know, the people that are offended at Jesus, which are many, many, many people. I mean... (laughs) Oh... I have, um, I've actually known people that the second you start talking about church, God, Jesus, anything church related, religion related, they like shut down. They're like actually offended. They shut down. They're embarrassed. They don't want to hear it. In fact, all conversation gets really quiet. One day I was, um, back when I was going to college a couple of years ago, we had to go on like this field trip and there was only like six people that signed up to go on this field trip in the class. And I was one of them. And my professor starts asking me different questions. And you know, the car was really chattery. Everybody was talking with each other. And so I start talking to my professor about church, like that I was very involved in my church and I do this and that and everything. And it was like, you could hear a pin drop in that car. Everyone got super quiet. Everyone just like stopped talking and just like became embarrassed a little bit. And it was just making me really uncomfortable because I'm like, man, like I can't even bring up the word church and people just like shut down. 
<laughs> but I didn't stop talking about it. They could deal with it. So <laughs> I told my professor everything. I was like, yeah, I go to church and I love it. And But yeah, it was just really funny, that change of um, I think everybody chattering. And then the second like religious topics got brought up, it just became uncomfortably silent. But that's kind of what Jesus is talking about is like, blessed are those who are not offended because of him. I mean, that would be Christians, I would guess. But then after this, after the disciples leave, Jesus starts talking about John the Baptist. In spite of the fact that John had so many doubts about Jesus, Jesus starts talking about how great John the Baptist is. And he, he tells the, all of his, his disciples, he's like, when John the Baptist was doing his ministry, what did you guys go out to see out in the wilderness? And he's like, did you go out to see some rich guy dressed in fancy clothes? Did you see like this little weakling? Did you want to go out and see this like little weakling? No, you went out to go see a strong man, a very unique man that had the word of truth. You wanted to hear that. You didn't want to hear this wimpy stuff anymore. You went out to go hear the truth, the offensive truth. And then Jesus talks about kind of how great John the Baptist was because of that. And he says, what did you guys go out to see? A prophet? Yes. And I tell you, much more than a prophet. And then he starts speaking prophecy from Malachi 3 verse 1. Jesus says, behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way before you. So he's talking about how John the Baptist was a great prophet that prepared the way for Jesus, was telling the people, get ready, get ready. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming and prepared the way for Jesus. Then Jesus goes on to say that John the Baptist or John the baptizer, as the W.E.B. says, even though he's such a great prophet and Jesus is like praising him for the work he did on earth, Jesus is like, but guess what? The people who are least in God's kingdom are greater than even John the Baptist. Anybody who believes in Jesus in the new covenant is greater than John the Baptist. And a lot of people speculate. They're like, well, does that mean in heaven? Does that mean on earth? Does that mean the old covenant versus the new covenant? Just showing how like John the Baptist still lived under the old covenant and the new covenant is greater. So, I mean, there's a lot of speculation you can you can do on that one verse. But if I had to guess, I would think this would be talking about the difference between the old and the new covenant and how just people who now believe in Jesus under the new covenant are going to be blessed even more than John the Baptist. But moving forward, it says in verse 29 that when all the people and the tax collectors heard this, they declared God to be just, having been baptized with John's baptism. So all these people that were in Jesus's multitude probably had gone to go see John the Baptist at one point or another, because John the Baptist was really, really famous, just like Jesus was. And so if the people were going around following Jesus, probably, uh, maybe most of them at one point or another went to go see John the Baptist. And so these people who were baptized by John were declaring God to be just after hearing Jesus's words. So they were easily able to accept what Jesus was saying, basically about him being the Messiah. Because that's what Jesus was kind of saying here. He was saying that uh, John the Baptist was the prophet that was prophesied about. 
back in Malachi before the Messiah was supposed to come. And Jesus is kind of here declaring, if not pretty overtly declaring, that he is, in fact, the Messiah. So these tax collectors who had basically been prepared, I suppose, to receive the Messiah from John the Baptist and all the people who received John the Baptist's words now believed that Jesus was the Messiah and were able to accept that. But there's a little note here in verse 30. But the Pharisees and the lawyers rejected the counsel of God, not being baptized by him themselves. And that's kind of sad. But they rejected not just John the Baptist, but Jesus. They rejected both because they didn't see how Jesus could be the Messiah. They didn't care. They didn't want it, even though they probably said they wanted it. They didn't actually want it because when the Messiah came, they wanted to kill him. But yeah, so the Pharisees did not accept either John the Baptist or Jesus. So Jesus goes on to talk about the Pharisees here in verse 31 through 35. To what then should I compare the people of this generation? What are they like? They are like children who sit in the marketplace and call to one another saying, we piped to you and you didn't dance. We mourned and you didn't weep. So Jesus gives this little analogy here about the Pharisees kind of because the Pharisees were probably in their hearts, just rejecting everything Jesus was saying about John the Baptist being the aforementioned uh, prophet who prepares the way. Jesus says that the Pharisees or the gen- this generation of men that didn't accept Jesus, because remember, the tax collectors did and the poor people did, but like the rich people, the Pharisees, the lawyers, the leaders, the leaders of the people rejected Jesus. And so Jesus is saying, what is this generation of people like, you know, these leaders? What are they like? And so he says, they're like children who sit in the marketplace and call to one another saying, we piped to you and you didn't dance. You, we mourned and you didn't weep. So I'm just going to retranslate that in my own words, I suppose. Jesus is basically saying that the Pharisees are like children who sit in the marketplace. Okay. They're complaining to one another. And to the people, they're complaining, saying, you know, we we sang a wedding song for you and you didn't dance, so we don't like you. So then we started singing a funeral song and you didn't weep with us, so we don't like you. So Jesus goes on to explain, you know, John the baptizer came neither eating bread nor drinking wine for, you know, not dancing, not dancing to that wedding song. John the Baptist was a mournful person kind of who taught that the people needed to desperately get rid of their sin in order to accept Jesus. That's very clearly stated that he was um, he he fasted, which was often a show of mourning. So John the Baptist was not the dancer. He was not the uh, person that was going to dance to the wedding songs. And so Jesus says, John the Baptist came neither eating bread nor drinking wine. And you guys said he is a demon. He's ridiculous that he's not eating bread or drinking wine or enjoying himself. He is a demon because of that. And then Jesus says, but then I come and I'm eating bread and drinking wine and enjoying myself. And you say, oh, he's a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. So in other words, Jesus is basically saying that no matter what, the people aren't happy. No matter what, because, you know, John was too solemn for these Pharisees, but Jesus was too happy for these Pharisees. (laughs) And so 
so they're just complaining about nothing. You know, they're complaining about, oh, you know, we don't like John. He's too solemn. He is a demon because he can't even enjoy himself. But then they say that Jesus is like sitting down with tax collectors and sinners and he's a glutton and a drunkard. He's enjoying himself too much and he's, you know, sitting with sinners. And so Jesus is calling out the hypocrisy of this, of like, how they didn't like John for one reason, but then they didn't like Jesus. So nothing was good enough for these Pharisees was kind of the analogy Jesus was giving. And so Jesus ends here by saying in verse 35, wisdom is justified by all her children. This is just another way of saying more about those fruits that people produce, the good fruits versus the bad fruits. If a person is producing good fruit, clearly that person has wisdom. John produced good fruit by leading many of these tax collectors and these sinners and these people to salvation and to understanding of who the Messiah was. And then obviously Jesus produced only good fruit. He was extremely wise. He only did good ever in his ministry. But yet these Pharisees, Jesus is calling them out as being hypocrites and is saying that, you know, John has a demon and Jesus was a glutton and a drunkard and is lying about Jesus and John the Baptist. So Jesus is calling them out for doing this. Alrighty, guys. Well, this was Luke chapter 7, verses 11 through 35. Thanks for tuning in. We talked a lot about John the Baptist today. We talked about Jesus and his uh, rising that little boy from the dead. Although it could have been a young man. I kept saying little boy, but it was probably a young man, honestly. <laughs> but back in those days, I guess a young man could be considered a little boy nowadays. Because, like, young men, I suppose, back in those days were, like, 12 years old. <laughs> That's when they started, like, learning their dad's trades and stuff. Jesus was uh, doing a lot of good here and teaching about John the Baptist and uh, helping the people understand that he, in fact, was the Messiah. And unfortunately, some chose not to believe that. So guys, join me on Thursday. I'm going to be having another guest on the podcast. And she's a great person. She's going to be helping us by talking about the rest of Luke chapter 7. So it's going to be a great episode. Tune in 6 a.m. or whenever you wake up. But also tune in tomorrow because on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, I have an Old Testament episode that I do out of the book of Leviticus right now. And soon we're going to be moving into the book of Numbers. So definitely tune in then. But until then, happy listening and God bless. Bless.